Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins. Now, can I begin this week by inviting you to visit my Patreon page? Patreon's a way sponsors can fund artists and creators. People have been writing to me from all around the world, encouraging me to set up a Patreon page, so I'm asking my patrons to buy me a cafe con leche a week. Patreon's a means by which listeners, if they choose to, can sponsor me. I don't like asking for money. All the details and the ways and means to sponsor me are on my website, danmullinsmusic.com or patreon.com. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. and The Camino is legendary for being transformative. It changes people's lives. The British writer and poet D.H. Lawrence wrote, When we get out of the glass bottle of our ego, and when we escape like the squirrels in the cage of our personality, and get into the forest again, we shall shiver with cold and fright. But things will happen to us so that we don't know ourselves. Cool, unlying life will rush in. Cool, unlying life. My guest this week is an Australian pilgrim, Adam Murphy. He's sitting here beside me in a very beautiful old pub in the middle of Sydney. Hola, pilgrim. Hey, mate. How you going? I'm very well. How's the cool, unlying life? Uh, Pretty good. Pretty good right now. Everything's pretty good. Tell us about your... First Camino in 2017. Okay, so uh, 2017, uh, I'll tell you, actually, I'll go back and tell you how I found out about the Camino. Sure. So 2017, uh, I have a mate of mine, JT, who was doing the Biblimum, I think that's how it's pronounced, out in WA. And for those that don't know, it's a thousand kilometre hike in Western Australia. And I was kind of really proud of him and I thought, oh, that's a really cool thing to do. And he'd, he'd hiked before. And uh, we got talking about the infrastructure and how many people you meet and how many people you see along the way. And uh, he said that it was pretty quiet, maybe only saw two or three people a day. So my next question was, well, is there anything like this that has people on it? And he goes, yeah, there's a thing called the Camino over in Spain. And I was like, Camino? Isn't that a ute in America? (laughs) And uh, he goes, no, 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 it's this pilgrimage thing. And he goes, check it out. I go, so what's the deal? He goes, oh, well, pretty much you walk from the, the border in France to Santiago in Spain. They call it Camino de Santiago. Um, looking at doing it. That's what he was saying. And uh, so I went back, had a look on Wikipedia about it. Was really interested immediately. And then looked at another website. And about 30 minutes later, I text him and said, dude, I'm doing it. That's it. Already made up my mind. This is for me. I'd already been... I was already planning on going overseas that year. I was going to America. I'd go over the US pretty much every year, year on year. And uh, that's pretty much how it started. So that was probably four months before I actually ended up going. But I was away for three months before I actually started on my first Camino, which I started in Saint-Jean, Peterport, uh, on the 24th of September, 2017 and finished on the 26th of October, 2017. You wrote to me to say it was much more than you expected. What did you expect? Uh, To be honest, I probably thought that people would be a tad more serious on the Camino. I didn't think... I didn't think how much fun it was going to be. And that's something I... Through listening to your podcast, a lot of people talk a lot lot of different things and what it meant to them, but I'd really like to highlight for people that are listening how much fun it is. And that was the bit that surprised me. How, obviously, I kind of thought that you'd just, day by day, you'd get in there, I'd read a little bit about it, you'd, you know, you'd leave point A, go to point B, kind of get into town, have something to eat, and go to sleep. 
I didn't know that, you know, you would essentially, well, what we did was we went out every night. Every night, no fail, we were out there. When we got into town, we had our little bit of, obviously, our routine, which was get into town, unpack, have a shower, uh, usually watch some Netflix or something on, a, on, on our tablet or a phone, and then we'd pretty much go to the bar, start drinking, a crew of us, and we had that pretty much the whole way. So that was the bit that really surprised me on how much fun it was. That was the bit that I didn't expect. Yeah. Not that that was the only thing, but that was the thing that surprised me the most. Do you remember when it dawned on you, wow, something special's happening here? Uh, yeah, pretty much straight away. Uh, probably by Bellarado, I could put it down. By Bellarado, I'd already kind of made the decision that one, this was the best thing I'd ever done. And two, there's no doubt I will be doing it again. So it was pretty immediate. So just take a step back. You're a reasonably young man, mid-30s. You wrote to me to say you're on a world tour. How does a young bloke find himself on a world tour? Uh, well, uh, yeah, well, I've been doing world tours pretty much every year in my adulthood. Uh, last year, I was away for six months on a world tour, which I did 29 countries. I went to uh, a few Burning Man festivals for those viewers or listeners that know about it. I uh, went to one in Spain, and uh, then I ended up climbed Annapurna South, uh, walked, climbed, what was it, Mount Olympus in Greece, and the Inca Trail. So I'm pretty much away every year. I'll be going away this year. The year before, obviously, was the year that I did my first Camino, did my usual pilgrimage to Burning Man in Nevada, and I've pretty much been doing that every year since, or every year before that for the last 10 years. An awesome life. You went back and did the Camino then, so you talked about 2017, less than nine months later in 2018. What was it like the second time around? Was it the same? Uh, well, the second time, oh, I, was, I was itching to get back, and I'd been away for a few months before I started the second Camino. So, obviously, no doubt from the first one it was a little bit different, but I knew what to expect. So, but the second one, just giving a breakdown of how it happened, is I flew in from Asia into Barcelona, and then I, st- I got, went to St. Jean to do the Francais again. I uh, walked the first three days, obviously met my new posse on that Camino, had an absolute fantastic time. But then when I got to Pamplona, I left the Camino to go to the Burning Man Festival in Spain, going nowhere, but it was perfectly timed because it was in July, came back, did San Fermin, running of the bulls, and then rejoined the Camino. But by rejoining the Camino, I'd lost that original crew that I was with. Yeah, right. But um, I still absolutely... I probably did... I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I did more more kilometres as I got through because I was kind of on a little bit of a time frame because I knew I had so much to do after the Camino, where in 2017 I didn't have... I didn't have that problem where I had more free, yeah. more, more time. But um, yeah, really, really enjoyed 2017. And it was, it, it meant something different to me than from when the first time I wrote to you saying that there were different things that I thought. And the first one, I was, I couldn't get away from this one word community. And the second one, I couldn't get away from the one word pure. And what I kind of break that down, especially the second one, is I think what's more pure than leaving point A to go to point B for food and shelter? This is as instinctual and primitive as... This This is why I think I like it so much. This is really... People talk about 
disconnecting to reconnect. This is as pure as it gets. Yeah, disconnecting to reconnecting is a very good way to put it. How do you then describe the Camino to people? If you, 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 you're saying that you're going again this year and, and people no doubt say, what's the Camino? Or I've heard of the Camino, what's the story? How do you describe it to people? Oh, well, no doubt I tell them, first thing I tell them is go do it. But I explain to them that it's a pilgrimage across Spain. And then I usually start off with saying things like, what better way to see a country than to walk across it? There's no better way to see it. If you want to experience a country walk the Camino. You're literally walking across a country from France all the way to the west coast of Spain. What better way is than that? Then I talk about things like how much fun it is. I talk about the community that you'll meet there. And another, a big point, and a lot of people that do it, and I know I've heard this on a lot of your shows, obviously it might be at a crossroads. There might be, might be a, a, obviously a death. They're trying to recover from something. I tell people that the thing about the Camino is it's not just character building it's character revealing and the parts of your character that it reveals are the best parts all the people that I met on the Camino I, I in the short time that I met them I felt became better people by being on the Camino I felt that with myself the good parts of my characteristics which is plenty of bad were were exemplified it, it not just builds character yeah, it reveals it yeah, I think that's very true. And one of the great things about it is seeing people change and seeing people take delight in those aspects of themselves that they discover. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I probably saw the change more in other people than I probably did in myself. Um, kind of... For me, I, when I walked the Camino both times, but more, even more particular the first time, I was actually in a really good spot in my life. I didn't have anything that I was going there to get. I was really going there just for the adventure. Yeah. And all the people, well, not all, but most of the people I walk with, no doubt they were at a crossroads. They had a relationship breakdown or they had a death or they were trying to rebuild a relationship with a loved one or family. And I saw them probably grow more than me grow. Not that I didn't grow, because I'm out there preaching every day. That was the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. You know? And all those things that I've done, which I mentioned before, whether it's burning man or traveling the world and staying in backpackers all around the world and going to every corner of the world, for me, the Camino was head and shoulders above anything else I've done. And primarily because of the community and the amount of fun that we had on it, that I had on it. Tell us about the Camino Rings. Uh, so probably the, the original seed for the rings came from the Burning Man Festival because they'd actually made them for the Burning Man Festival. So about midway through the first Camino in 2017, uh, my walking group, him, love ya, um, I'd mentioned that I was considering making some Camino rings. So after I'd finished the first Camino, came back home, I remember I... I put a design through and the intention was always to anybody that had completed the pilgrimage, regardless, you didn't even have to. If you, if you were a pilgrim, I'd send you one. So we, got made, we made a few rings up uh, with no doubt the, um, the scallop shell, um, Juan Camino, the longitude latitude 
of Santiago de Compostela. So obviously that's the destination. Uh, then we also made up a couple of random ones. Uh, for Liz and Jake down on the south coast of New South Wales, we made up bread Camino because there was a joke around about the word bread. And then those rings got sent out around the world. And then by the second Camino in 2018, the fellow that introduced me to the Camino, JT, he was walking his first Camino. And I'd gave, given him the last 120 rings. So he placed the rings between Saria and Santiago on his Camino. So people could just pick them up along the way with the inscriptions. So where'd you get them made? I uh, got them made in China. <laughs> yeah. So like I said, I'd already had the connection from making the rings for the Burning Man Festival. So... I got them and we're looking at doing a second batch. At the time, I created a website where you could sign up and you could put in what ring size you wanted, what what type you wanted, what color you wanted. Um, But obviously then the rings ran out, so I took that website down and now I'm in the process of creating another batch of rings, uh, probably around about 300. And I'll do the same thing next time I go to the Camino. I'll hand them out along the way. Along the way, not just at the end. Yeah, right. So this is now Camino's three and four in 2019. Yeah. So uh, obviously I mentioned to you earlier, I'll be doing uh, Primitivo in Portuguese, but I'll start off with Portuguese and then just do it back to back, get into Santiago, catch a bus to Oviedo and then walk the the Primitivo back to back. Tell us about Pilgrim.network. Uh, so obviously after El Camino.life, I ceased that domain because obviously I'd ran out of ring. So the, the idea spawned out of obviously just having another platform to promote the rings for when I got a new batch of rings. Um, but then also, obviously on the second Camino, no doubt WhatsApp's such a useful vehicle to communicate along the Camino. And a lot of people had groups. So I was just like, well, why don't we get our group and just start adding more and more people? Especially whether you've done the Camino. Most of the people have done the Camino. So if you visit pilgrimnetwork.com, uh, pilgrim.network it is, um, there's just a r- real simple page. You can click it on it, goes straight to it, straight to the WhatsApp group, and you can join the group. That easy. And so what's the long-term goal for that? Is it primarily for pilgrims and it's going to be made easier for pilgrims? Uh, haven't really gone too, uh, into too much thought about that. Essentially, it's just about, well, we were already connected and just adding more into that community. That was the original. And then also, obviously, I understand that other people have their own individual WhatsApp groups for the Camino. They're on it, then continue them. It's more of, a, obviously, a, as well as a just kind of a platform idea for other people to copy as well. So they can create their own group, add more people to their group, whatever number they've got. Yeah, you wrote to me to say, unlike, unlike most pilgrims, and you mentioned this before, I was in a pretty good spot when I made my first pilgrimage, and I joked that instead of walking the Camino to resolve an issue, the Camino became the issue, and now I should probably see someone, as I constantly find myself talking about it, to anyone who will listen. Join the club. But if there were one word you'd use to sum up the Camino, what would it be? And you talked about community. You talked about pure, rather. As, well, tell us about community. Okay. Uh, so yeah, actually, this is this is a good question. Um, I'll give you a bit of uh, something to how I can explain it with the community. And this is this is this is kind of this couple of parts of this story. But you have heard of if you've uh, the there's a YouTube um, 
of the guys that made the movie I'll Push You. Oh, yeah. Okay? Um, and they're talking about the day that they get to LSC, oh, well, Osobrero, and they're trying to get up the hill, and it's on YouTube. And um, I'm, I've got tears rolling down my eyes watching this, this fest, and what, basically what happens is, no doubt, is they mention to a few other people uh, that they were trying to get up Osobrero, but everybody kind of told them that it wasn't possible. Unbeknown to them, by the time they got to the base of the mountain, they said, we're going to do it anyway. By the time they got to the base of the mountain, there was a group of people there ready to help them. That's an example of community. Mm. I'm watching this at my home, laying on the couch, tears rolling down my eyes, and the first thing that came to my mind wasn't just what I was watching, was every single pilgrim that I was with and that I met in 2017 would have done exactly the same thing exactly the same thing that's the type of community that's an example of community they would have done it in a heartbeat probably not me but they would have Uh, (laughs) I would have been at the next pub (laughs) that's right well we talked earlier about how fantastic it is if you want to do something really great go for a long walk Um, great way to see Spain so my question is what did you make of what I call slow tourism that chance to walk to move slowly through the Spanish culture and that spirit of the journey. Well, like, as we like, kind of touching on kind of what I was saying before, what better way to go across a country than to walk across a country? What better way to interact with the local people than to walk across a country? You're not flying into a city, you're walking across their land. You know, you go to the small cities. How often when you're traveling, these slow, you know, do, do you go to these small cities? You don't. You eat what they eat. You eat what other pilgrims eat. You live exactly the way they do, essentially, for 33 days or whatever it is, whatever Camino you're doing. But, yeah, I just couldn't say enough about it. You know I'm a tragic. I do need help. <laughs> Tell us a story of inspiration. Uh, okay, so um, one thing that stood out, so... Oh, probably nearing the end of the first Camino uh, we got uh, him and I were walking together him I pronounce it like H-I-M but it's actually C-H-I-E-M he's from Belgium Um, we got to day 31 and I think we were walking into Azua and we're walking past and there was a cafe on the right hand side and we pulled up to get something to eat no doubt a beer and there was a lady a German lady and a daughter and her daughter was, what we found out, was seven years old. She'd, they'd started before Leon. And I was speaking to, I was speaking to the mum. And I was just absolutely blown away. I said, oh, if you don't mind me, how old is she? She goes, seven. I go, does she know what she's doing? She goes, not really. But she's out here. And I was absolutely inspired. And not only that, for people listening, a seven, and I was like, nobody ever younger than seven could do this Camino. But also, it just shows you that anybody can walk the Camino. You really can. I know there might be problems. I might, there might be physical problems. There might be emotional problems. There might be t- issues with time. But you can walk the Camino. If you can do a day, walk the Camino. Yeah, that's right. That's, it's, it's pretty simple stuff, isn't it? If you, if you want to do it, you can do it. Yeah, like, I think there's a lot of emphasis. I know Bola Coelho talks about just going. I'm an absolute believer in the same thing. I'm just saying, I'll carry on from what I was saying. Like, 
If you can only do a day, Myers, you're a pilgrim. If you if you put effort in for a day, still go do it. If you can only do a week, go back another time and do it. You know, if you, it, it, whatever the issue is, I'm telling you now, you can do it. Like I said, Justin and Patrick, the guys that he pushed his friend 500 miles, the 800 kilometers. A, a, a seven-year-old girl did it. And the second time, so back in 2018, when I went back, I was walking kind of, I think, near Astorga, the day after Astorga, and I bumped into a family, and they had a 5, 7, and 11-year-old girl. A 5-year-old girl was walking the Camino. So now I use that as a joke when I'm at home. So I would call my mates and say, a 5-year-old girl's walking the Camino. Your son's 9, and he's playing in sand pits. <laughs> What's happening? Come on, guys. Pick the game up. That's great. That's great. Now, I understand you found some disappointment along the way as well. Uh, yeah. So, um, a few people do know about this, and this is kind of not like a, a secondhand story. I heard this directly from the source, um, and it was probably the most disappointing thing I'd heard on the Camino. Um, I remember it vividly. The first year, so it was the first day coming into Roncesvalles, and I was standing trying to check into the albergue and there was a girl in front of me the most lovely, lively girl and she'd started her pilgrimage in Munich I don't know what came over me but I just had this feeling that I just wanted to know what the infrastructure was like before St. Jean I just wanted to know, you know, how is it? What do you do? Where do you stay? How, do you, how far do you walk? And I go, and the exact question was where did you stay your first night? She goes, I got it got a story about that and she's telling me this story and she said she left her front door like a, in theory a true pilgrim should do she left her front door to walk to Santiago she left the front door and she said she got about 25 kilometers into the walk and she got to a catholic church she pulled over she went inside and she said there was a big rolling lawn she had her camping gear she went in she knocked on the door she spoke to the priest. She said, look, I'm on my pilgrimage to Santiago de Compostela. I'm a pilgrim. And she's actually a practicing member of the faith. And would it be okay if I set my tent up out on the lawn out the back? And they said no. And I actually had it. I get emotional telling the story. I was really... And she was emotional telling me the story. And I, it, it was... It, yeah, that was the most disappointing. I just really felt like if you, yeah, if you can't help pilgrims, then you can't really help anybody. Like, I understand that there might might be reasons why they might have thought that if there was perception of people camping out in the grounds, other people would want to stay there. But it wouldn't matter if you were Jewish, Muslim, atheist. It wouldn't matter. I could be telling this story in reverse. I could be sitting here saying she got to the Catholic Church and they opened and welcomed her in, gave her a meal, whatever it was, because she was a pilgrim walking to Santiago. It's not like one of us, the 300,000, that just do either the last 110 kilometres or whatever they do. She walked from Munich and they didn't embrace her. Very disappointing story. Yeah, that's an awful story. Yeah. Did you walk much with her? Uh, we walked together. She was. She ended up going to Finisterra on her first time, so we lost each other after about Logroño, I think. I might have saw her in Belorado. So, uh, him and I on the first uh, tri- on the first Camino, we had a break in Burgos. And I think that was maybe the last time that I saw her. 
So I did actually I saw her again, no doubt, as it happens, uh, in the in the square in Santiago the day after we'd finished, and she'd actually actually already gone to Finisterra right. and come back. Was she okay? Yeah, she was fine. Yeah. She was so fine. She was the most lovely girl. She was super bubbly. Like I said, just that story. I, I must have hit something, and I don't know why I asked it, but I just seemed to ask it. I was yeah. I was just like, so what'd you do? Your, like literally your first night. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, because well, you couldn't find story. a bed. How does the Camino and being a pilgrim manifest itself in your life now? Uh, I could put... It, what it's done is definitely helped me have a better understanding. Well, not, not just of me, but of... Of tra- it sounds stupid or simple, but mode of transportation, how simple walking is, and instead of doing other things like catch- riding a bike or driving a car, you can actually walk. We're walking 25 to 30 kilometres a day. Why don't you just walk five kilometres? It's not that far. You know, both of us, we live in the city, so it's something you don't do that often. But I've, so in my daily life, I walk more. Um, definitely walk more around, especially afterwards and on my trips. Instead of getting public transport, I'd walk more. So that's something that's actually directly kind of, I've I've seen a change. And then also, there's there's a bit of a story that I have in relation to. It kind of connects to people doing it, and maybe for, for anybody out there that's listening, if they tell anybody that they're considering doing the Camino, and people maybe are negative or say they don't have it in them, don't listen. <laughs> Don't listen for a second. Like I said, like we said, absolutely anybody can do it. I think I lost my train of thought on that one, but um... no, I think that's a good answer. That you know that you brought back the simple message of the Camino. Uh, life doesn't have to be complicated, does it? No, it doesn't. So, like, but I know what I was getting at. So, there's there's a bit of a saying that I came up with, and, and it relates to what what I was just saying to is. Um, I had one or two friends that, before my first time, said that they probably didn't think I had, had it in me to finish. I actually didn't take that on board. It didn't really bother me. But after finishing the first Camino, something I brought back with me internally was, I have this saying, it's better to start and fail than not to start at all. That doesn't mean plan to fail, but have a go. Like, it, and that's what I was getting at before with, if you're a pilgrim and if you might not be in shape or whatever it is, and you get one day, but you really put effort in, you're a pilgrim in my eyes. If you can only do a week, pilgrim in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Not that it matters to me, it matters to you, but as long as you know you put it in, yeah, you're a pilgrim. So, so what do your friends and family make of this pilgrim, the, the, your pilgrimage? Uh, oh... You know, I'm, I'm always around the world, so they just, it all blends in. This is like, oh, Adam's gone off and done something like this again. Not stupid, but yeah, Adam's gone off and done his thing. My mum had, I think through her work, had heard that, uh, had heard of the Camino. And um, she's like, oh, my son's on that. And that's about as far as I think my mum's concerned. She's just like, I know you went on it. I saw some posts on Facebook. Uh, my dad's just like, what? Pilgrimage? Across Spain? What are you doing? What? So if, if I ever send this and you've got Spotify, Dad, um, I'm inviting you to the next one. Come with me. <laughs> Indeed. If someone is listening and they're thinking of walking, what would be the one thing you'd recommend they definitely take? What is the essential item? Uh, yeah, uh, I have a saying for this one. 
uh, the best way to unpack is to unpack. Uh, the best way to pack is to unpack. Uh, you actually don't need anything. Anything you can get, you can get there on the Camino. Go there and let the Camino in. So openness, take openness with you. Let the pilgrims in. Let the other people in. That's something like internally, not physically. Let the pilgrims in. Did you do much training before you went over? Uh, nah. Now, obviously, I go to the gym, but um, no, and I'm not an incredibly healthy and fit person, but no, nah, not really. Uh, did you carry a guidebook? No, no, no guidebooks. Did you do a lot of planning? Are you a spreadsheet pilgrim? No spreadsheets. <laughs> the, the thing is, very few of us have walked continuously for 10, 20 or 30 days. It's not easy to get up day after day and hit the trail and walk another 25, 30 k. It's not easy. How were the feet? Uh, first time, I think day four to day nine, I had some blisters um, and I had a few little shin problems, which is common, not too bad, but obviously anybody that knows who's walked the Camino or is from Spain, um, the ibuprofeno 600 milligrams help a lot. Uh, they really do. Like, you can't get that in most other, like, uh, Western countries over the counter. That's pretty pretty good but yeah the second time a little bit of soreness but nothing too serious nothing that would have impeded me or stopped me from continuing to walk and i didn't ever need it wasn't bad enough that i needed to take a day off what type of shoes did you wear a regular regular low cut uh semi hiking jogger shoes and my advice for anybody's listening i know it's up to you um don't wear high cuts. You don't need them. I reckon you could do it in flip-flops or thongs. You know, most of it, especially the Meseta. So, but yeah, low cut were pretty good for me. Next time, I'll probably just go open sandals. So if they get wet, um, obviously they can dry off. Because obviously if you've got a shoe, then you need a thong or a flip-flop, as you know the Americans say. Um, but if you've got the sandal, you only need the sandals. You won't need additional thongs or flip-flops it's nothing quite like putting the thongs on at the end of a day though is there nah it's awesome it's the best <laughs> feeling or just walk around barefooted yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's go back to the way of St James do you have a favourite place on the Camino Frances uh, yeah really like Estella love Destorga uh, no doubt it's common everybody says it El Acibo, which is like the nicest albergue ever there's the nicest place on the Camino so if you're listening and you're looking at doing it it's after Osobrero day 24 I think on the kind of St. Jean map um, it's the by far that's it's the nicest place on the Camino but I, I really like Pamplona like I love Pamplona yeah, Zabiri like really Zabiri even the places in the Meseta yeah. but I don't I don't know like Come on, you got to pick one. I'm going to pick you up and drop you on the Camino Frances. Where am I going to drop you? Yeah, El Acibo. Okay. Uh, Tell us about arriving in Santiago de Compostela the first time. Uh, First time? um, Probably slightly anticlimactic, but not that I had huge expectations and I was never one that thought that I was going to have a big epiphany at the end. Um... So, but the big thing is obviously we walked in and we, we did the double leg the last day, which a lot of people do. So it was around about 40 something kilometers and we got in a little bit later for, but getting into the square, 
we had been communicating with Jake and Liz, so we were ready to go out and party. So we got in, and the, the, the thing that, for me, which was really good was, I was really proud of the other people that finished. I was really proud of the people that I walked with. And I know that they maybe, I don't want to speak on their behalf, but you know, maybe they were trying to work through things. So for them, it probably that was more, yeah. probably a little bit more meaning for them. Um, I was just, yeah, I was really, I, I remember thinking how proud I was of him. I thought it was, it was I, was, I don't know, I just was really proud of him and I was really proud of everybody else that I walked with and I was really anxious to see everybody else in the square, wherever it was, go get some food and go out and have a few bevies or many bevies. Beverages, that That's kind of part of the course. The, the, what would you say to somebody thinking of walking? As I said before, I've rambled on enough about this. Um, just do it. Uh, what better way to see a country than walking across it? It's an incredibly economical way of travelling. You're going to meet people from all around the world. Um, obviously, for, for certain people, you know, it might be that there's plenty of times to practice your faith along the Camino if, you, if you're into that. And another thing which I hear is probably not talked about that much. If you took all the things outside of the Camino, like the community, the friendship, the lifelong friendships, all that, and you put that aside, and you just start, let's say, the Camino Francais and start in St. Jean and walk to Santiago, you will physically feel amazing by the end. Even though you're sore, your body will be so much more healthier. You'll have sweating out a lot of the toxins along the way. It's actually good for your health, even though you might not think it. By the end, I know we eat a lot of carbs and you drink along the way, but you're definitely still burning more calories um, than what you're putting into your body, even if you drink every night like I did. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. It is good for you. It's you do feel good for you. And getting back to that point I was harping on before, um, it's, it's something so natural and so instinctual. That you're literally walking across the country you know it's so primitive it's what we're basically we've been doing it since we were home before we we're homo sapiens going point a to point b for food and shelter what's more natural than that yeah yeah i like that the camino has clearly had a massive impact on your life would you be someone who considered themselves a spiritual person uh yeah nah <laughs> not not uh not spiritual at all yeah. all right well let me ask you this yeah. did you give much thought or have you given much thought to saint james and his pilgrimage uh not not really i do i i i, I i'm always kind of reading into the history because i'm so fascinated with the camino but no yeah i'm let's see because i'm not i'm pretty agnostic to both yeah. re- like kind of religion and um spirituality is it for everyone? The Camino, absolutely. Um, it, it, this is definitely a point, and obviously you can kind of see where I was going with this. And I, with for people that like maybe before I listened, you know, before I walked it, I'd hear people like listen to well, you know I'd watch um, YouTube's and I'd hear people talk about the spiritual side, and I'd hear people talk about the religious side, but a lot of people the spiritual side, and I was like, well, that's probably not so much me, and then. I'm, in, I'm living proof of how much you can get out of it if you're not either of those. So it is for absolutely everybody. And all those things I talked about. How about just making a concerted effort to be healthier? How about making an effort to walk across the country? Like, you don't have to be spiritual or religious to see the benefits, to build lifelong friends, to, to experience amazing community. 
you don't need to have those. Those can be those are separate and independent, or build better character, or reveal the best parts of your character. Awesome, man! Awesome. Uh, did you listen to music while you walked? Yeah, lots of lots of music. Most obviously, you know, like along the way. We'd listen to, like, uh, the group that I was with, we'd listen to music. Um, I had, like, not in-ear headphones, but on-ear headphones, so I'd just take them off, we'd chat, we'd talk a lot about Game of Thrones, <laughs> we'd talk a lot about, you know, we'd tell jokes, you know, talk about chicks, we'd talk about all the normal stuff that people do. Um, but, yeah, listen to music most of, probably half the time, walking. Uh, the second time... I, f- I found that it gave the, com- the second time, the Camino gave me time to speak on the phone and counsel other people. So I could help other people while I was basically just walking alone doing nothing. I didn't need to be within my own thoughts. I could speak to my friends in America, Mexico, back in Australia, and I could talk to them maybe or listen about their problems. So I actually found it, yeah, pretty good. Did you walk with poles? Ah, uh, nah, poles are for girls. Um... <laughs> No, 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 no. I, 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 I had a, I had a pilgrim staff, and actually, uh, he, he's actually, I had a pilgrim staff. So, uh, for the, for the listeners out there um, that don't know, Australia's got pretty strict quarantine laws, and after after the first pilgrimage, I'd taken the pilgrim staff, so the timber, you know, the wooden staff. I'd taken it through Europe, back to the US, to Mexico, back to the US, and never had a problem. So I got the pilgrim staff and. I checked it in with United flying from Los Angeles to Sydney. I got back to Sydney and I didn't, I checked it. So I didn't declare it on my form. I didn't even remember that I had it. So I get back, I get through immigration and the immigration officer, or the, the, what the customs officer said, uh, you can't have that. And you didn't claim it. Immediately. I was just filled with emotions and I had tea. I actually had a grown man had tears running from my eyes and I just explained to them that you have no idea how important this was to me. A stick, a stick, not, 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 not walking poles, a pilgrim staff. And eventually after a few minutes and they said it was going to call a supervisor and I said, get the supervisor. Cause I, I felt I was, you know, I, he was picking on me. I was just like, what are you doing, dude? It's just a pilgrim staff. It's no different than a, like a, 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 an, a, an assisted uh, walking assistant or whatever they call it. Uh, that's, that's timber. So eventually I did end up getting it through, but I had a few tears in my eyes and I was pretty relieved after I got it through. Did you take it back the second time? Uh, no, I didn't. It's on my wall at home. Yeah, I, I didn't take it back and I made the effort. I'm probably not going to take it back. That's it. I've got my shell my two Compostellas now and my uh, Pilgrim Staff up on the wall. But obviously the, the Pilgrim Staff and, and poles, and I would make fun of the, the walking poles, but the Pilgrim Staff, a lot of people don't, it's not just obviously to, I think, I think there's, a, there's, a, there's a, I think maybe 15% of the downward pressure or something by using walking poles. But people forget that it's also almost like a protective device. It uh, it, it mitigates uh, coming danger. So you know you're putting it on. Let's say you're walking down a hill. You got a your stick. What do you do? You put it on the rock, see if it's slippery or not. So it's not just for like you know to help you walk. It also protects you. You know, shoo off birds or shoo off little cats or whatever along the way. I walked with poles, and uh, they made an enormous difference to me. I yeah. swear by them now. Yeah. yeah. I'll use them again and again. What was the biggest obstacle you faced and how did you overcome it? Oh, I haven't thought about this one. Um, 
outside of the fact of the like the by by the end of the first Camino, my my uh, shin fractures got got pretty bad. Um, but like I said, so the way I overcame that was by 600 milligram ibuprofen. <laughs> but really, that like two of those a day, regardless, even though I'm a pretty big guy, um, they they really help. But like I said, I know I. I imagine for other people that might have a little like I'm not saying that the physical aspect of the Camino isn't hard but you can do it it's not impossible yeah. 300,000 people well 300,000 people do the shortest get Compostela certificates maybe I heard maybe about only 20% of that does the full full Francais but I don't know I, 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 I don't really like when people I, I know other people talk about things like staying in alberges I've spent maybe two and a half, three thousand nights in hostels in my adulthood. That that's not something that I needed to overcome. Um, like I said I've had injuries before relating to my shins just through training. Through so it's not something that it's something I dealt with before. So it's not something I really went was I found on the Camino was new on the Camino and I had to overcome on the Camino. Do you get bed bugs? Ah, oh, no, no, no. What did you learn about yourself on the Camino? Uh, I already knew I had many character flaws, but I, I, I found some that I didn't know I had. Um, some not character flaws, some 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 positive parts of my character. Uh, I definitely found myself probably a little bit more compassionate. Um, and there were times, even though I I yap a lot, I'd find myself listening more especially to somebody's story and just listen to them uh, that's, that's that's I definitely found myself more compassionate I, I feel like I was more compassionate the usual things that pilgrims do like just pulling over for a pilgrim sitting down on, on the, the, the side of the road the side of the path just to see what their problem is. That's not something that I would do. I wouldn't do that in my day-to-day life. I wouldn't walk down the streets of Sydney and I, wouldn't, I just wouldn't do that. It's just not something that I'd do. Well, that's a fantastic transform- transformation then, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's a lovely thing to learn about yourself. Uh, what do you mo- like most? What's the best part about being a pilgrim? Being a pilgrim? Yeah. Oh, the community. The community well, and the friendship. What surprised you most? How much fun it was. Yeah. See, it, was, it was so much more fun. All the things that you do in your normal uh, relationships with meaning like your mates or your friends or whatever it is, you, you do on the Camino. You, you joke about, if you're single, you joke about, and you're male, you joke about girls and you talk about girls and you go out and you drink and you have fun, you tell jokes, you make up stupid nicknames as everybody does. These are all normal things. Like I don't know why, but I, I just thought it'd be a little bit more serious than that. Um, I thought maybe there'd be probably a, a, like an overwhelming majority of people that were either extremely religious and spiritual doing it, where I found that that was probably, I was wrong, it was the opposite, you know, most a lot of people were doing it either for spiritual or just for the adventure, yeah. you know, and they wanted to, like me, they were doing it for, they, they loved the community side of it, mm. building life, lifelong friendships. Yeah. And how pleased are you that you discovered the Camino or the Camino discovered you? 
Oh, yeah. Uh, do I have to continue? <laughs> I think I've babbled on enough about how much it means to me. Um, like, like you said, I, I, I genuinely joke when people say, like, I was pretty, well, not well-adjusted, but I was pretty good before I went on the Camino, and now I, I think I need to see a psychologist because, <laughs> because I've got issues now. I'm a Camino tragic. I just want to go back there. I'll always want to go back there um, and to meet a new pack of people, uh, stay at different albergues, do a different route. You know, it, I'm, it sounds like I'm mocking, but disconnect to reconnect. Yeah. Well, I've thoroughly enjoyed speaking with you, Adam. It's, it's clear to me you're a Camino tragic like me. And long may you live your cool, unlying life. Thanks for your time. Buen Camino. Thanks, My guest this week, the Australian Pilgrim, Adam Murphy. That website we talked about providing a chat service for pilgrims, pilgrim.network. And the British writer and poet D.H. Lawrence wrote, when we get out of the glass bottle of our ego, when we escape like the squirrels in the cage of our personality and get into the forest again, we shall shiver with cold and fright. But things will happen to us that we don't know ourselves. Cool, unlying life will rush in. Enjoy your cool, unlying life. I'm Dan Mullins. Until next week, Buen Camino. Somewhere along the way Somewhere along the 